this place. If you're in this place, in your special place, you ought to say amen. amen. This place that allows the sun to shine in darkness. This place that helps you to handle your past, your present, and your future. This, this, this particular place that enables you to wipe away your tears. This place that covers you when you face your problems. Every now and then I go to my place that makes me feel alive again. This place, something about being in this place, living our lives in this place. So we ought to thank the Lord for this place. Wherever you're at with the Lord, that is your place. Lord, we come thanking you for putting us in a position to be in this place. We come this morning thanking you for the blessings we receive even when we didn't or don't deserve them. We, your humble servants, come thanking you for the blessings seen and unseen, for being a fence around us, for being a light in a time of darkness. We, your humble servant, your humble children, come this morning with hearts of thankfulness. In spite of all the dark clouds that have beset us, we know that you know our problems, our thoughts, our inner thoughts, and our wishes, our desires, our requests, and our petitions. So this morning, we just simply give thanks for allowing you to be the good father that you are. Thank you for being the healing hands for Carrie. Thank you for being the healing hands for Mr. Bunker. Thank you for being the healing hands for Aaron and for Case Dad for Miriam's friend. Thank you for being a comforter to Howard and Erica. We ask that you would be a comforter to my Louisiana cousin whose mother, my aunt, Loretha, gained her heavenly wings on Thanksgiving night. And to all who are in need of your touch, we thank you for my family, for my wife and my children, my, my grandkids and my working church family. We just thank you, Lord. Hope in the eye of the stone. And the reason I didn't say amen because it's not finished yet. The word amen means finished. We still got a ways to go on this journey. Hope in the eye of the storm. Let's see if I can work this now. Now, some of you all wonder why you got little pieces of paper on this side, and this side got little pieces of paper. As we travel on life's journey, it's not always, not always sunshiny. There are some things that are going to creep up in your life. And so those on this side have little things, little darkness, little clouds of darkness on this side. On this side, there's hope, darkness things that, that really beset you, hope on this side over here. So as we talk today, I want you to remember on this side we have what now? Dark clouds. On this side we have what? And our goal for this side 
That's the mirror with this side over here. Good works, God works in mysterious ways, ways that we sometimes don't and can't really comprehend. Pastor Dave informed me months ago that I would be bringing the message this morning. I couldn't get a topic, nor had a clue of what the message would be. I started going through and reviewing various books and notes and that I had utilized before, and it seemed nothing would fit. No topic stood out. I couldn't put anything into perspective. I listened at songs and thumbed through the Bible. I pulled the material and still nothing clicked. I began to get a little frustrated. And then Dave texted me last week and asked if I was still good for this week. Not only did he ask me if I was good, he also asked if I could speak on a certain topic. Unknown to him, I was having second thoughts, especially when he said, by the way, can you talk on hope since it's the beginning of Advent season? My mind started to formulate doubts since we didn't spend a lot of time talking and teaching about the Advent season. My mind and common sense was pushing me to respond by asking if I could get a buy. Cowboys needed a buy, didn't they? <laughs> I just want to throw that in. Okay, okay, okay. I just want to throw that in. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I was clueless. But God wouldn't have it. God directed me to look again, to think again, to look over the house and look in the closet and look in the shelves. And there it was, right in front of me, message in a book that I purchased many years ago, a book that I read from, I read from time to time to get inspiration, and that just glazed over a few months ago. So as we began the Advent season, with all the dark clouds that surround us, as hanging over our heads, as taking over our lives, I would like to shed some light that perhaps would heal us, help us deal with those dark clouds better. The dark clouds may not go away, but we'll be in a better place to handle them. I would like to temporarily transform myself into Max Licata, pastor of Oak Hill Church in San Antonio, one of the best-selling authors of over, over 100 Christian books. The book, In the Eye of the Stone, a day in the life of Jesus. Max dips the brush of his verbal artistry in the most vivid colors yet to paint a picture of Christ's calm and what he calls the second most stressful day in the life of Jesus. How did Christ do it? How did he remain calm? How did he keep his composure? How did he, he, he kept his mind straight? How did he stay focused during the second most stressful day of his life? Through this book, Max shows us the secret of transferring panic into peace, stress into serenity, and chaos into control. One minute you are seated in a familiar territory with a song on your lips and a smile on your face. Then without notice, without warning, 
the pink slip comes. Rejection letter arrives. Doctors call. Divorce papers are delivered. Checks bounce. And even the policemen knock at your door. All of a sudden, you are soaked into a black cavern of doubt, dosed with cold water of reality, and stung with the hot air of empty promises. That life, the life that you know had been so calm, is now so stormy. You are hailstone by demand, assailed by doubts, plummeted by question with no answer. Have you ever been in a situation or had a time in your life where you had more questions but couldn't get no answer? And somewhere in that trauma, somewhere you lose your joy. Somewhere in all the confusion and all the stone, you lose your song. I've lost my job many times. Lost my song many times. Anybody ever lost their joy? Anybody ever lost their song? You had a pep in your step at once, and all of a sudden you lost your pep. Ever found yourself in the storm of life? If so, this, this, this short message is for you. Aside from crucifixion, this day is the second most stressful day in Jesus' life. What made this day so stressful? Ruined sequences of bad news, demanding crowds, doubting friends. 24 hours in which Jesus faced the same gale force fields that you and I face every day. Waves of pressure slam, winds of anxiety blew, clouds of darkness billow. Yet through it all, Jesus remained calm. He endured the day without losing his son. He endured the day losing. So in the second section of this book, Max informs about the storms of doubt. So if you found yourself in a storm and wonder why Jesus didn't pull you out, the disciples did the same thing. If you read Matthew's 8 chapter, verse 23 through 27, when Jesus went up the mountain, the disciples went out to sea. The storm came, their boat bounced, and they were left with a long night of fear and a long list of questions. Jesus know that as long as we're living on this earth, we are in the storm. And sometimes we ask ourselves, or ask ourselves, why doesn't he come? Where is he? So as I... We'll do something a little bit different. I am now Max. There are snowstorms. 
there are hailstones. There are rainstones and there are doubt stones. Every so often a doubt stone rolls into my life, bringing with it a flurry of questioning gale force winds of fear. And soon after it comes, the light shines through it. Sometimes the stone comes out of the evening news. Some nights I wonder why I watch it. Some nights it's just too much. From the steps of the Supreme Court to the steeps of South Africa, the news is generally gloomy. 30 minutes of bite-sized tragedy. A handsome man in a nice suit with a warm voice give bad news. They call him the anchor man. Good title. One needs an anchor in today's temperate water. Sometimes I wonder, how can our world be so chaotic? Sometimes the storm comes when I'm at work. Stir out the stir of homes that wasn't healed, won't heal, and hearts that won't melt. Always more hunger than food. More needs than money, more questions than answer. On Sunday, I stand before a church with a three-point outline in my hand, 30 minutes on the clock, and a prayer on my lips. I do my best to say something that will convince a stranger that an unseen God still hears. And sometimes I wonder why so many hearts have to hurt. Do you ever get doubt stones? Some of you don't. I know, I, I know. I've talked to you. Some of you have a Davidious type optimism that defies any Goliath. I used to think that you were naive at best and phony at worst. I don't think that anymore. I think you're gifted. You're gifted with faith. You can see the rainbow before the clouds part. If you have this gift, then you don't need to be here. I won't say anything you need to hear, but others, I wonder. You wonder what others know that you don't. You wonder if you're blind or if they are. You wonder why some proclaim Eureka before the gold is found. You wonder why some shout land hole before the fog has cleared. You wonder how some people believe so confidently why you believe so reluctantly. As a result, you are being uncomfortable to the pad of pew of blind belief. Your Bible hero is Thomas. Your middle name is Cautious. Your career is the bane of every Sunday school teacher. If God is so good, why do I feel so bad? If this message is so clear, why do I get so confused? If the Father's in control, why do good people have gut-wrenching problems? You wonder if it's a blessing or a curse to have a mind that never rests, but you would rather be a cynic than a hypocrite. So you continue to pray with one eye open and wonder. You wonder about starving children. You wonder about the power of prayer. You wonder about the death of grace. You wonder about Christians in the council wars. You wonder about and you ask, who, and you wonder about who you are to ask questions in a way, tough questions, throw-in-the-towel-type questions, I-quit-type questions, questions that disciples must have asked in the stone. 
All they could see were black skies as they bounced in the battle boat, soaring clouds, wind-driven white cap, pessimism that buried the coastline, gloom that swamped the bowl. What could have been a pleasant trip became a white knuckle ride through a sea of fear. Their question, what hope do we have of surviving a stormy night? My question, where is God when this world is stormy? Doubt storms, turbulent days when the enemy is too big, the task is too great, the future too bleak, and the answers are too few. Ever so often, a stone will come. Just keep living. Ever so often, a stone will come. Just keep living. Ever so often, a stone will come. My son, ever so often, a stone will come. Just keep living. And I look up into the blackened sky and say, God, a little light, please. The light came for the disciples. A figure came to them walking on the water. It wasn't what they expected. Perhaps they were looking for angels to descend, a heaven to open. Maybe they were listening to a divine proclamation to steal the stone. We don't know what they were looking for, but one thing for sure, they weren't looking for Jesus to come walking on the water. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You'll find it in Matthew 14, chapter 26, verse. And since Jesus came in the way that they didn't expect, they almost missed seeing the answer to your prayer. They almost missed seeing the answer to their prayer. And unless we look and listen closely, we risk missing, missing and making the same mistake. God lights in our dark nights or as numerous as the stars, if only we look for them. So as I close, there are three lights that have illuminated my world. First, a friend, and I sat in the front of my house in his car and talked about his dilemma. His chief client pulled out on him, leaving him big bills and few solutions. What the client did wasn't right, but he did it anyway. The client company was big, and my friends were small. There wasn't a lot he could do. My friend was left with a dent of hungry lines, wanting six figures of satisfaction. I called my uncle and told him what had happened. I told him I was thinking of filing for bankruptcy. What did he say, I asked. He didn't say anything, my friend responded. After he was silent for a long time, I said it for him. We don't do it like that, do we? No, we don't, he told me. So I'll pay the bills. If I have to sell my house, I'll pay my bills. I was encouraged. Somebody still believed that if he did what was right, God would do what was best. There was still some we don't do it like that fate in the world. The sky began to clear. Light number two came from a cancer ward. 
We still celebrate 44 years tomorrow, Jack said, feeding his family. She was bald. Her head was sunken. Her speech was slurred. She looked straight ahead, only opened her mouth. And when he brought, when he brought the fork near, he wiped her cheek. He wiped her bra. She has taken, she had been sick for five years, he told me. She can't walk. She can't take care of herself. She can't even feed herself. But I love her. And he spoke louder so she could hear. We're going to beat this thing, aren't we, honey? He fed her a few more bites and spoke again. We don't have insurance. When I could afford it, I thought I wouldn't need it. Now I owe the hospital more than $50,000. He was quiet for a moment, and he gave her a drink. Then he continued, but they don't pester me. They know I can't pay, but they admitted us with no question asked. The doctors treat us like we are their best paying patient. Who would have imagined such kindness? I had to agree with him. Who would have imagined such kindness? In a thorny world of high-tech expenses often criticized healthcare, it was, rest, it was reassuring to find professionals who would serve two who had nothing to give in return. Jack thanked me for coming. I thank God that once again a new of light remind me of the sun behind the dark clouds. Then a few days later, the last light came. Larry Brown is the coach of the San Antonio Spurs, the local professional basketball team. I didn't know him personally, although rumor has it that he wanted me to sign a multi-year contract and play point guard. You imagine me playing point guard. Coach Brown recently spent an afternoon at a local men's store signing autographs. He was scheduled to spend two hours, but ended up spending three. Pencil and padded kids this besieged place, asking him questions and shaking his hand. When he was finally able to slip out, he climbed into his car, only to notice a touching sight. A later arriving youngster pedaled up, jumped off his bike, and ran to the room to see if the coach was still in the store. When he saw he wasn't, he turned slowly and sadly, walked over to his bike, and began to ride off. Coach Brown turned off his ignition, climbed out of the car and walked over to the bar. They chatted a few minutes, went next door to the drugstore, sat down at the table, and had a soft drink. No reporters were near. No, no cameras was on. As far as these two knew, no one knew. I'm sure Larry Brown had other things to do that afternoon. No doubt he had other appointments to keep. But it's doubtful that anything he might have done that afternoon was more important than what he did. In the world of big buck, high-gloss professional sports, it did me good to hear one coach who's still a coach at heart. Hearing what he did was enough to blow away any lingering clouds of doubt, to leave me warm by God's light, his gentle light. Gentle light, God's solution for dark stones. God flecked, glows that ample glow hope into darkness, not thunderbolts, no explosions of light.
just gentilites, a bestie of chosen honesty, a hospital of chosen compassion, a celebrity chosen kindness, visible evidence of the invisible hand of God, soft reminder of the optimism is just not for food. Funny, none of these events were religious. None of the encounter occurred in the ceremony or church service. None would make the six o'clock news. But such is the case with gentilites. Such is the case. When the disciples saw Jesus in the middle of that stormy night, they called him a ghost, a phantom, a hallucination. To them, the glow was anything but God. When we see gentle light on the horizon, we often have the same reaction. We dismiss occasion kindness as apparition, accidents or anomaly, anything but God. When Jesus comes, the disciple in the boat may have thought he'll split the sky. The sea will be calm, the clouds will disperse. When God comes, we doubters think all pain will flee. Life will be tranquil. No questions will remain. And because we look for the bonfire, bonfire we miss the candle. Because we look for the big bonfire, we miss the candle. We miss the whisper because we listen for the shout. But it's a burnished candle that God's come. And through whispered promises, he speak. When you doubt, look around. When you doubt, look around. I am closer than you think. When situations don't look so good, there's hope. When you receive disturbing news, there's hope. When life seems to let you down, there's hope. When your world seems to be crumbling and it's turning upside down, there's hope. Hope no matter how dark the room gets, no matter how bad lightning flashes, no matter how hard the thunder rolls, there's hope. So as we enter into this Advent season knowing our hope is Jesus, for we know in his name, for in the name of Jesus, things happen. In the name of Jesus, mountains are moved. In the precious name of Jesus, bodies are healed. Minds get right. Hearts are made happy. Thrones become small. And hate made love. In his name, in his name, there's power in the name of, of Jesus. Power in the blood.